Check mic one two one two. Check mic one two one two. Church, how y'all doing? All right, all right, y'all waking up. Well, good morning. I want to <laughs> welcome you guys to our Sunday service. I want to welcome the online campus. Uh, we love you guys. We love you, Pastor DJ. Uh, I know you're in Georgia, I believe, but I just want to give you a shout out. We love you, uh, Pastor DJ. Thank you guys for coming today. Who's excited? Anybody? Yeah. Amen, amen. So this morning, Pastor DJ entrusted me, for whatever reason, to run service, so um, we will see what, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, we will see what happens, though. I'm excited, we've uh, prayed, we've covered this place in prayer, we've asked the Holy Spirit to take over and have his way today, so I'm really, really excited. Uh, we are doing a few different things this morning, 
uh, which is also really exciting. And that's corporate prayer, y'all. Corporate prayer. So before we even go into a time of worship, we're going to pray. And for some of you, that may be a little awkward, but I want to remind you what the word of God says really quick. Okay. And this is Isaiah 56, seven. It says, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Can I get an amen? amen. There you go. Can I get a praise God? Thank you. Amen. Amen. And I'm really excited to start praying. If you guys can stand to your feet. You know, if you didn't know, this is a form of worship. We're going we're gonna to pray and we're going to come boldly before our God. Listen, if you've never done this before, get used to it because you're going to be doing this a lot in heaven, okay? Go ahead and stand up and we're going to get into prayer. And I want you guys to start believing with me because we're going to be directional, okay? We're going to be having some on-purpose prayers. So here we go. Oh, Father God, we thank you for this day that you've given us, God. Holy God, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you, Father. Holy God, we thank you, we love you, God. We love you, you are worthy. There is no one like you, God. Oh, there is no one like you, God. We thank you, holy God. Oh, we thank you, God. We just worship you right now, God. Oh, we worship you right now, God. Oh, we worship you in our spirits, oh God, and in truth, God. Oh, we love you, Father God. There's no one like our God. You are enthroned, oh God. There is no one like you, God. Oh, you are sovereign, oh God. You, you who sit on the throne, you are God alone. Oh, we love you, God. We worship you, God. Oh, we worship. There's no one like you, my God. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. Come on, worship your God this morning. Holy are you, God. Holy are you, God. Worthy are you, God. Worthy to be praised, my God. You are worthy to be praised. Holy, holy, holy. Come on, begin to worship your God. You are holy. Come on, start to praise him. You are worthy, my God. Who is like the Lord who is mighty to save? Holy are you, God. Holy, holy, holy. Holy are you, God. Holy are you, God. Worthy are you, God. Oh, we thank you, God. We thank you. We will turn this house into a house of prayer, my God. Oh, we worship you alone, oh God. There was no one like you, God. There was no one like you, God. Worthy, 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 worthy is God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Oh, we thank you, God. Oh, and to the Lamb of God. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Holy, holy, holy is the Lamb of God. Mm, we thank you, God. Mm. Oh, God, we thank you. Oh, we thank you. Now, oh, God, we ask that you would hear us, Father, from heaven. Oh, God, we ask that you would hear us from heaven, oh, God. Oh, God, we're asking right now in the name of Jesus, God. Your son Jesus said that whatever we ask, whatever we ask, that he would intercede on our behalf and he would deliver. Jesus, we have faith right now. Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would loose healing right now. Would you loose healing for Mama Lo right now, God? 
Would you lose healing right now from Amalo, God? In the name of Jesus, God. Father, your word says whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Right now, we lose healing in the name of Jesus. We lose healing in the name of Jesus. God, we lose healing from Amalo in the name of Jesus. We serve a living God. Father God, right now, we loose healing in the name of Jesus from Mamalo. Come on, stretch out your hands towards Mamalo. We loose healing, oh God. We loose healing in the name of Jesus, God. Oh, holy God Almighty, would you stretch out your hand, oh God. Would you stretch out your hand right now, Father God. And would you... Give us a miracle right now, God. In the name of Jesus, we declare a miracle right now. A miracle right now. Come on, start to lift up your voice. In the name of Jesus, we say healing. Healing in the name of Jesus. By the blood of the Lamb. By the blood of the Lamb. Come on, right now. In the name of Jesus, God. Oh, we declare it. Oh, we believe it, God. We choose to have faith in the anointed one. Oh, the holy, holy, holy. Oh, the lion of Judah. Who, holy God. The one who is able to break the seal. Holy God. Oh, the one who is the lamb of God. Holy Jesus. Come on, Lord. Oh, we believe. Do it, Jesus. Oh, would you do it right now? Would you do it right now, holy God? Oh, Lord, I show, Lord. Come on, Jesus. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place right now. Holy Spirit, would you wreck, would you wreck our thoughts of what Sunday morning service is supposed to look like? Oh, we will turn this house into a house of prayer for my God. Oh, because you are worthy, my God. Yes, God, right now, healing, healing, healing in the name of Jesus. Oh, God, and we ask for healing, God, for the entire church body, God. We ask for healing for Destiny Church right now, God. For all of our family members, God, in the name of Jesus, we ask right now, God, right now, God, we ask that from the, from the head, which is Pastor DJ, God, in the name of Jesus, from Pastor DJ to the smallest one of our kids and babies, healing would take place right now in the name of Jesus. Devil, you have no right in this place. Devil, you have no right in this place. This is a house of God. And God, we believe in healing. We believe in your power, God. We believe that you are not dead, oh God. No, no, no. You sit on the throne, oh God. Oh, you sit on the throne. Oh God, in the name of Jesus, healing, God. Healing for all of our church body. Healing for our church family, God. Healing for the families represented here today in the name of Jesus, God. Healing for our minds, God. Healing for our souls, God. Right now in the name of Jesus, God. God, we bind up fear in the name of Jesus right now. God, we bind fear in this place in the name of Jesus. You have no right in this place. You have, we lose peace in the name of Jesus. We lose peace in the name of Jesus. We lose peace in the name of Jesus. Yes, God. Holy are you, God. Have your way, my God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Oh, Father God, we ask for justice right now, God. Have your way in this place, God. Father, whatever the enemy has stolen, God, whatever he's meant for evil, God, right now in the name of Jesus, you turn it for good, God. Right now in the name of Jesus, right now it turns, God. 
right now. Sickness has to go in this place because the Holy Ghost is here. Holy God. Yes, God. Yes, there can be no, there cannot be two masters, God. Let your light flow. Let your spirit flow in this place in the name of Jesus. Sickness has to go in the name of Jesus. Can I get an amen? I said sickness has to go in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh God, have your way. Give us justice today, oh God. Oh, give us justice today, God. Oh, we look to you right now, Jesus. We look to you. You are our Messiah. You are our Lord and our Savior. You are the one who died in our place on the cross. We look to you, Jesus, right now. Holy, holy, holy. Thank you for your mercy, God. Thank you for your love, oh God. Oh, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. Mm. Thank you, God. Oh, we thank you. Hey, we're going to go in and we're going we're gonna to just have a little quiet right now. Mm, holy. Come on, God. Mm. Oh, God, would you speak among us right now, God? Mm. Oh, we we're expecting right now, God. Mm, mighty God. Almighty God, right now, Holy Spirit, start to move in this place. Hmm, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Start to move in this place. Come on, start to get your heart. Start to get your heart placed right. Come on, Holy Spirit, have your way, have your way. Have your way, have your way, have your way. Hmm. Mm, we thank you, God. Oh, God, now we thank you, my Father. Hmm, come on. Come on, we thank you now, God. We thank you, God, that we will see a miracle and miracles come from this morning, God. Oh, we believe right now. We believe right now. We are going to see praise reports. Can somebody say praise reports? We're going to see praise reports from this morning in the name of Jesus. Yes, God. Yes, God. We thank you, Father. Oh, we thank you, Father. We worship you. We worship you this day. Father, we thank you this day. God, we thank you. We thank you that you will bless us in the land of the living this morning. We thank you that you are our daddy, God. You are our daddy who loves us and wants the best for us, God. Oh, we thank you, God, that you are in this place today. Come on. Come on, worship team. Let's start going. God, we thank you in the name of Jesus. Oh, we thank you in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody give glory to our God today. Come on. Come on. Yes. on the wind Forgiveness like tide rolling in And taking up the space where shame is lived We're receiving all that you died to give Yes Let the wind
redefining revival. He's been doing it a long time, and I feel like we're just starting to really get it and grasp it. And I love this song. It's, you know, it's in the air. Catch it if you can. Like, like God, just give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear, and to have understanding of what you're doing and what revival really is. It's not a good service where we get goosebumps and we just are like, praise the Lord, that was a good two hours. That's not, that's not, that's the, the very surface. Revival is when sons and daughters are coming home. Revival is when relationships are restored. People are redeemed. People are delivered. Families are whole. Are healthy, yes. children are serving the Lord. Yes. That's revival. Yes. Revival is the home, revival is our hearts, revival is your schools, revival is your workplace. Yes. God, let us catch it, let us see it. Give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear. of God cover the earth like a wind blowing like a tidal wave just crashing over everything let the dawn break and people begin to see your love people begin to see who you are because they see it in us time together. Let the wind blow. Let the tide roll. Until the earth knows that you're a God of love. You're a God of love. Yes. You're a God of love. You're redeeming. You're a God of love. You're restoring. You're a God of love. And you're healing. You're a God of love. Yes. You're a God of love. You're delivering. You're a God of love. Yes. You're a God of love. A good, good father. God of love. You're a God of Everything we thought we lost, you're restoring it all. You're bringing it all back. You're bringing them all home. They're coming home. And that's revival. You're wooing them home. In your love, in your love. Oh, in your mercy, in your great grace.
Focus our eyes on Jesus right now. Thank you, Jesus. Your word is so clear on what happens when we look to you. When we look to you, when we see you, your peace is going to guard every heart, every mind. Just run to you and they are safe. We look to you, Jesus. Come on. We look to you, Jesus.
Give her confidence, God. Confidence and faith in what you've done. That it is finished. You're purchased with your blood. Now, Lord, let our only right response be to give you everything. Give you everything, withholding nothing. We know you're leading us in a triumphal procession. All for your glory, Jesus. The victory is yours, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood. Thank you for the finality and authority of your word. That's what we cling to. That's what we stand upon, Jesus. We're going to just sing, Oh, the blood, one more time, just corporately together before we finish. Sing it. Working power. 
Jesus, for this time in your presence. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. We seal it with a big yes and amen. Yes. Come on, everybody, just yes. say yes and amen, yes. Jesus. Amen. We believe yes. you, Jesus. Yes. We believe every word you've spoken. Yes. We believe yes. your promises, God. And we say yes and amen. Yes, yes and amen. Yes and amen. We praise you, God. We praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Y'all greet someone. Tell them you love them. Give them a hug. And we're going to move on. Thank you, Jesus. All right, amen, amen. We're about to get started. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Man, I love y'all. I love seeing you guys just hugging each other's necks and loving on each other like a family should. Y'all make me proud. I love y'all. All right, listen up. We have a few announcements. I'm gonna try to make it quick because the Holy Spirit is wrecking Brother Bo and he needs to come up here. <laughs> oh, I'm not playing. I see it. So let, let, let's go. Uh, first of all, I wanna welcome our online campus again. Love you guys. Welcome back. If you want to share this link so we can get it everywhere, uh, that'd be awesome, okay? We love you guys. 
Uh, also, if you're new today, this is your first time, uh, I want you to ask the front desk for a Connect card. Fill that out so we can give you guys uh, some resources so you don't have to do life by yourself, okay? We want to help you. We love you guys. All right, second thing, a Monday night prayer. We have corporate Monday night prayers here at 6 p.m., but this week, tomorrow, we are going to be at David's Tent again. If you don't know what David's Tent is, it's a uh, powerful ministry. They do worship and prayer 24 hours a day for a long time. I don't know how long, Brother Bo knows, but it's a long time. Uh, but Monday night at 6 p.m., we'll be at David's Tent. You can look it up. It's in Montgomery. 6 p.m., David's Tent in Montgomery. We will be there worshiping and praying to our God, okay? We won't be having corporate prayer here at the church. Midweek service on Tuesday, okay? Our midweek service is on Tuesday with Brother Bo. He's gonna be teaching again on Abraham, if I'm not mistaken. He's gonna continue that, and it's gonna be awesome. You don't wanna miss it. You guys will get a big preview today, so it's gonna be awesome. Uh, Wednesday night, we have... A DSM, that's our, th th thank you, thank you, I appreciate that. Hey, you know, I'm also a youth pastor, so I appreciate that, I love that. Uh, but yes, bring your students, okay, bring your students, 7th through 12th grade, as well as Kids Unplugged, 252 Ministries, Mama Lo, somebody make some noise. Hey, Amen. Uh, we love what Mama Lo's doing with our children, they are prayer warriors, y'all, I'm telling you. Our children are prayer warriors. Mama Lo is doing a fantastic job with them. So bring your kids uh, to 252 Unplugged. All right. Pretty sure I have almost everything. One last thing I want to bring up is uh, a young man by the name of Jonathan. If you're in here, Jonathan, come on up. Let's see. And, and your family. I don't know. Let's see. There you are. And Br Jonathan's family. Come up. Come on. Y'all come up too. Y'all come up too. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. All right. So if I'm not mistaken, Jonathan's going to the Navy. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to send them off the right way. The Destiny Church family way, right? There you go. Now come up here. All right. So we've had actually had a lot of young men and women going to the military from our church and that makes me uh, proud because their service, you know, their heart is to serve. And so that's awesome, Jonathan. And uh, I just want to pray for you so that wherever you go, I want you to know that God's going to be with you, man. I'm in the military. I'm still in the military. You know, Pastor DJ is retired Air Force. I'm still in the reserves. Uh, and I know that our military needs more of Jesus. Okay, I know it, man. And so you're not just going to serve the country. You're going to serve your father as well. Okay, you're going to bring the gospel to some people that have never heard of Jesus. Never. They've never heard of Jesus. And they know only what they've been taught. And they've been a product of their environment like me, like I was. And so you're going and you're deploying to the military, but you're also going to bring peace and hope to these people. Okay, they need it. All right, so we're going to pray. If you guys want to outstretch your hands, you guys stretch out your hands right now. Father God, we thank you for Jonathan, God. We thank you for his servant's heart. We thank you that you have amazing plans for him, God. Plans to prosper him, God. 
Oh, we thank you. Holy Spirit, we ask you right now, Father God, in the name of Jesus, that you would give him boldness. Everybody say boldness. Boldness in the name of Jesus to proclaim your gospel, God, to the hurting and to the needy, Father God. In the name of Jesus, God, we bless him, God. We bless him in the name of Jesus. We send him out with your favor right now, God. Father, as you gave a favor to Joseph and you blessed him in everything he did, would you bless Jonathan, God? Would you bless his hands to whatever he does, he would prosper in the name of Jesus. He would have success in the name of Jesus, God. We bless him as a church family in the name of Jesus. We ask that you send your angels to be with him wherever he goes. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Let's go. Come on, put your hands together. Love you, bro. Hold on. One second, one second. You're almost done. Almost done. Almost done. I promise. Uh, I just want to give you this book, Jonathan. This is a Psalms 91 book. Uh, it's, it's, it talks about all about God's protection for you in Psalms 91. And the best part of this book, I got it when I was deployed. And the best part of this book is all about military campaigns and when the hand of God intervened. And how God intervened and how God protected his people that were Christians, even though they were in a war and it was, it was horrible and it was going crazy, God protected them. And when they should have died, they didn't die because God was with them. And it's all about Psalms 91. So bless you, bro. I love you. All right. All right, y'all. Without further ado, let's get some word. Y'all put your hands together, Brother Bo. morning, y'all. Come on, Jesus. It's wonderful to worship God. Uh, we're going to have a couple of testimonies this morning before we get going about what God's doing. So Miss Jazzy, Miss Pamela, right? Y'all come on up. We'll let Miss Pamela go first and then Miss Jazzy. They are experiencing blessings of the Lord, and we just want y'all to be encouraged and hear about what God's doing among our family. Uh, before we get started, we have uh, a good bit of the remnant church here with us, Brother Peter Wilcox and Miss Amanda. They're, they're not here, but they sent, they sent the family, and so they're worshiping God with us this week, and, uh, and we're so honored to have them, and Brother Peter's probably either fishing on his dock or watching us. And uh, so y'all be blessed, Brother Peter, Miss Amanda. Thank y'all for loving us and letting your people come and worship God with us as one giant family as we are. Come on. I like doing family. Come on, Miss Pamela. Tell us what Jesus is doing. Good morning. Have y'all ever found that uh, when you're trying to do good, Satan really tries to bug you? <laughs> he sits right here like a pesky little bug that just won't go away. Last Sunday, I experienced that. I had a situation that came up that really hurt my feelings, and I could have gotten upset in my flesh, and that's what Satan was whispering to That's do. right. But instead, <laughs> I went before God, <laughs> and I said, God, help me. Come help on. Help me examine my heart and fix the shortcoming in me. One thing I've been struggling with is getting up early and spending that intentional time with God. Come on. We hear it all the time in this church, but yet it's really easy to give excuses of why we can't. Come on. 
I don't know about y'all, but I like my sleep. And I was getting up at 5 o'clock as it was to get ready to go to work in Montgomery. But I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to spend that intentional time. So I've been putting my alarm earlier and getting up. So Monday morning I was up earlier listening to Christian podcast and, and uh, getting in the Word, praying. Come on. Tuesday when I came oh, and I'll say this. Uh, a lot of you know I work at Alpha in the claims department at the home office. Y'all, we've been slammed lately. <laughs> Hurricanes are messing with us. Help I have job Jesus. security right now. Thank you, Lord. Uh, but it's been a lot, so I go home tired. So it's even harder to get up earlier when you're really tired. Yep. Tuesday, I came home from work, and I stepped in my house, and I noticed that the fan on my air conditioner unit was running. Okay. But the odd thing was I had set my temp that morning at 68 degrees on the heater thing, and when I stepped in the house and I looked in the hallway on the thermostat, it said 70, and it was just a running. I thought, okay, Houston, we have a problem. So I thought, I'm going to shut the unit off. I was going down to mom's to eat dinner, so I shut it off, went out the house, came back a couple hours later, that sucker was still running. Okay. <laughs> so I call air now. They're going to come out the next day. When I came back in the house Tuesday night, I happened to notice, I don't know for what reason, but I looked up. And when I looked up, I saw some mold on my ceiling in different places in the house. And I thought, oh, that's not good. And then I thought, well, I wonder if, uh, you know, I know I have curled up shingles in the roof. And I thought, I wonder if I've got a leak somewhere. So, but, well, I work at Alpha. Looks like I'll be filing a claim. So on my way to work Wednesday, I called my sister back here. And, you know, I don't know if y'all have had the experience, but when you're talking to Jazz and you start mentioning things going wrong, Jazz just breaks out in prayer in the middle of the conversation. Come on. And I love that <laughs> my sister right here. I, I love this lady. And I love how her heart is just so in tune Come with on. God, with her Papa Jesus. God, that she just starts praying. And she just started praying and asking God to take care of all this situation for me. And she used the word. She said, Papa God, let there be no out-of-pocket expense to pay him and let it all just work out. Just take care of everything. Okay, y'all, in my insurance mind, in the flesh, I'm going, there's a 1% deductible. I've never seen them wave that sucker. It's not good. So I go to work. I file the claim. I know how many claims they have, y'all. I see them cross my desk every day. I leave early that day to meet the Air Now tech at the house. While I'm traveling down the interstate, my cell phone rings. It's my insurance adjuster. You know what's fun is when you work for this area, I work for all, you know, with the adjusters that handle this local Tri-County area. So I know these guys personally. They handle my claim. So this adjuster calls me and goes, hey, Pam, how you doing? I'm good. He goes, do you think that, he said, I got your claim. Do you think that you can meet me at the house this afternoon? I said, heading there right now. Left work early, got other issues going on. He said, okay, I'll meet you there. So I'm there and the air now tech comes and he's looking at everything and he says, yeah, he said, it looks like your board is fried. It's not the kind of words you want to hear. In my mind, I'm calculating that's about $1,000. But then I thought, Lord, please let it be under warranty. The guy goes and checks. He says, I'm going to go out in the truck and check and see if it's under warranty and see if we can even find one because with COVID and everything going on, things aren't being manufactured. It could take months to get this part. So he goes outside, and I just, I'm, I'm praying. Jazz had prayed that morning. I've been in a spirit of prayer. The guy comes back in the house, and he says, good news, Ms. Bonds. Your, your system is still under warranty until May of 2021. I said, thank you, Lord. Woo! Yes. Thank you, Lord. 
And then he says, and guess what? I found you a unit. It's in Tennessee, and it should be here Monday. Tomorrow, that part's supposed to get fixed. I was like, Come on. thank you, Lord. Isn't that good? That's yes. just good. Well, it gets even better. He's backing out of my driveway. My insurance adjuster is driving in. He gets out, and he looks at everything. And then I said, you need to bring your ladder and come inside. He came inside, and I showed him the mold. And I said, I don't know what's going on. And I thought, insurance isn't going to cover mold. And I thought, oh, this isn't good. He looks around. He says, Pam, I'll, I'll write it up. And, and you know what I thought was really cool? When I talked to him, I said, I can't believe you're here today. I said, I just filed the claim this morning, and I know how many claims you all have. You know what he said to me? He said, Pam, we got you. <laughs> he said, you're one of ours. We got you. We'll take care of you. Come on. And I was like, thank you, Lord. I heard God's words, you know, we got you. Come on. We'll take care of you. So the contractor met me there Friday. I left work early. He comes out. He looks at everything. Never met this guy before. He had already looked at the roof. He was showing him everything in the house. I showed him the, the estimate that my adjuster had given me that morning. And he's looking at everything. And y'all, we're having a conversation, and I didn't hear what I'm fixing to tell you right at first. He says, Miss Bonds, we can take care of all this. He said, uh, we'll absorb your deductible. There'll be no out-of-pocket to you. Woo! <laughs> Come on, Jesus. Really? I didn't hear that at first. So we're still talking. And about a minute later, those words hit me, and I said, whoa, whoa, hold on. Wait a minute. I said, what do you mean there'll be no out-of-pocket to me? He says, yeah. He said, I can do all this, and I'll absorb your deductible. There won't be any out-of-pocket expense to you. Have y'all seen the movie War Room where the lady is, is having a praise service around? Okay. We were standing in my dining room, and I just about broke out in a praise service around my dining room table <laughs> with that man I'd never met before standing in my house. Come on. Woo! I was Come excited. On, and on top of all of that, I asked him some extra things that insurance doesn't have to cover. And every single thing I brought up, you know what he said? Yeah, we can take care of that. No problem. We can take care of that. No problem. Come on. Woo! Come on, I Jesus. I got pumped. I was like, thank, thank you, God. Lord. Thank you, Lord. I turned around, and when that man left, I called Jazz. I said, Jazz, what you doing? She said, just finished a praise and worship service here at the house. She said, fixing to eat dinner. I said, would you like to extend that praise and worship service? <laughs> so I told Woo! her, I told her what had happened. Jazz and I had church on the phone Friday night. <laughs> Come on, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And you know something that Jazz reminded me of? Y'all hear this. Sunday when I got my feelings hurt. <laughs> I could have responded in the flesh and let that mess up my communication between my heavenly Come father on. and I. Come on, that's right. And Satan would have got the victory. Jesus. But instead, I was obedient and I said, Lord, fix what's wrong in here. <laughs> Come on, Jesus. Do you hear it? If you take anything away from what I say this morning, that's what I want you to that's hear. That's right. That's what I want you to hear. God honored my prayer. Come on, Jesus. I honored God. Come on. I want him to work in my life, y'all. And I'm so thankful for this church. You guys speak into my life and bless me more than you know. You've taught me so many things. I've been raised in the church all my life. But you know what? <laughs> I'm learning a lot. I feel like I'm a sponge soaking up Come on. the goodness of God and the things you all teach me. So thank you for the example you show me. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for being people of God.
Come like on. this lady right here who just, when you break out and tell folks what you got going on, they just break out and start praying. Come on. Because they know who they serve, and I know who I serve. God is good, y'all. Thank you. Come on. Come on, Jesus. Awesome. Good morning. Prayer. Yeah, we just, I'm like, she could barely get through the story, but was, I was, you know, jumping <laughs> around my living room. Um, so... A little over a month ago, uh, my car just stopped working. Like, it would crank up, but it's like, nah, I think I'll stay right here. It would not move. Um, when I did get it to move once, drove around a block in my neighborhood, parked in the garage, went inside, got ready for work, come out, um, you know, back out of the garage and start up the road. I got about two houses down, and she's like, mm -mm, I told you I wasn't going anywhere. So had just enough inertia, I don't know how, to back up and get the nose just into my driveway. So call around, um, people at church tell me who to talk to, so I call, get the car towed to the transmission place, because everyone's thinking, oh, it's probably the transmission. Get it to him, it's about a day or two, he calls me and says, your transmission is fine. I'm like, okay, that's good, and he says, and I'm like, okay, so how much is it going to cost? He's like, don't worry about it. I'm not going to charge you for looking at it. Okay, God won. So he's like, he recommends me sending it to his guy who works on motors because he says it's a motor issue. Take it to this guy. And he's like, okay, it's this sensor. And I'm like, okay, sensor's cool. We can do sensor. 900 plus dollars. And I'm like, seriously, just do it. I need it because otherwise the car's just not going to go. So he replaces the sensor, I get my car back, I'm ready to go, vroom. And she's like, eh, maybe. So she does not go vroom. She hesitates, she stutters, and I'm like, this is not right. So I drive the car for a week, just, you know, maybe I just needed to work some kinks out from, you know, being tampered with or whatever. And no. So I take her back to, yeah, I call my car. Sorry. So I take her back to the... <laughs> to the shop and he tells me oh your oxygen sensor is bad because you have a leak in your motor two of them actually um so i'm like okay god i've got the money in savings go ahead and replace the sensor now i'm a person my my uncle he's a mechanic he's kind of like a shade tree mechanic but he doesn't really do that heavy work anymore but i know how to go to these different auto sites one of those parts was like $80. When he told me the cost to fix that O2 sensor, $400. And I'm like, okay, go ahead. I need a car. Oh, here's God too. So I posted on Facebook that I was going to get a um, rental car. They called me as Pam was on her way to my house to take me to Montgomery Airport to get the rental. Oh, we don't have anything. And I'm like, what? So she steps out of the car. We are wearing the exact same Destiny Church t-shirt. So I posted online. Holly sends a message. Hey, if you need to borrow my car, you can borrow my car. I'm going out of town. I'm not going to need it. So I'm sitting at, we're going to dinner. And we're like, we're going we're gonna to worship God. We're going to celebrate in advance before we even know what's going to happen. So we're sitting there. We're eating. We're talking about God. We're enjoying the fellowship. And I see her. I am, and I'm like, wait, what? Like, you ask someone if you can borrow sugar or borrow a cup of milk, not a car. 
But she was like, I have a car. I'm not going to be using it. Use it for as long as you need. Okay, long, well, kind of. Well, I won't even say it. Um, <laughs> so the reason I'm up here, got the car back and everything, then this weird noise starts happening in the front end, and I'm like, you know what, Lord? I really don't want to spend any more money on this car right now. It's an 03 with 220,000 miles on it. I'm just going to take it to my grandmother's house, get my brother's work van. They just moved away, so he's not using it right now. So Sunday, Pastor DJ calls me into the office, and he's like, so what's going on with your car? I'm like, eh. He's at my grandmother's house. When my uncle gets a chance, he will take a look at it. And he's like, well, and he reaches into his pocket, and he says, someone has blessed the church with a car, and they told me, to give it to someone who needs it. He handed me keys Woo! and a title. Come on. <laughs> Come on, Jesus. Now, here's the other thing. My mom is in Oklahoma. She's retired military. That's all coming to fruition now. And she's like, well, I've been thinking about getting another car. So when mine is ready, I'll give it to you. And I said, God, you know what? You can bless me through means other than my mother. That's right. My mother has the means to do this, but God, I want to know it is all you. And my <laughs> God, did he Come say, on. here you go, baby. On top of that, kind of going back to what Pam said about being obedient to God, that was about two weeks into a 21-day fast. Come on, Jesus. So he knew, and he already had the solution before I knew I even had a problem. Come on. And because I honored his request or that unction to go into that fast and I put myself in that position, it's like, okay, you've been obedient to me. You've submitted. You've surrendered. Now, let me open up, throw open. Now, some, many translations just say open, but some say throw open the windows of heaven throw and pour open. you out a blessing that you haven't room to receive. And I'm still waiting because I got more. I got more arms. I got more hands open up my bank account, but more so than the material. Father God, open me up so that I may receive the wisdom and the revelation and the knowledge that you Come want on. to pour into me that we can take into this earth because it is the, the love that we sang about today. That love will be exhibited through us to the people in this earth. Come so on, it is Jesus. our love that will draw them. When we exalt him, when he is lifted high, he will draw all men unto him, and he does that through us. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. That is so, that blesses me. Just like everybody here, I need some of them testimonies active in my life right now, huh? And I was taught by my pastor. Let me switch. Oh, hello. Hello. Study. Rachel's not here, so I'm fine. So, there we go. Y'all, I was taught ooh, by my pastor that you should never allow jealousy to come into your heart when you hear what God's done in somebody else's life because God is not working on a limited budget. And, and what should happen every time you hear testimony, it should cause faith to rise in your heart to think, next time it's me. 
because I know he loves me. I'm his favorite. And if he's doing that for my brother and my sister, then I know that is a desire for him to do it in me. And, and, and it should. You, you should celebrate with those God are blessing. And it should cause you to see the goodness of your father. And your father loves his children all the same. And, you know, sometimes things don't work exactly like those situations. And there's all kind of different things at play. But all I know is that God is good. And I believe in the goodness of God. And, you know, y'all have, some of y'all haven't been here before. Some of you have been here a couple times. And, and you're beginning to realize we're not, we're not like other churches. And we're not going to be like other churches. Not that that's good or bad. But we're going to be the people that God has asked us to be. And we're going to be a family of God here. And we're going to be an apostolic church. And all that means is we're going to do our best to look like the church that Jesus set up in the book of Acts and when he walked on the planet. That's all it means. We're going to try our best to look like the Bible. And, and, you know, when you read in the Bible, in Acts, when you read about the first church, the apostolic church that was planted by all the apostles, it actually says in Acts that there was no lack among them, that all things were common. And people have used that and made some weird things happen. But what it means is, is that the family of God takes care of the family of God. That when we see need and we have the ability to meet the need, that's what we do. If our brother and sister is in lack and we have the ability to help them, then that's what we do. And, and that, is a, that is a gospel church. Most people get nervous when people start asking or talking about money and testimonies because uh, it's been taught so frivolously and incorrectly that so people can just have faith supposedly to, to, to use on their own desires. But that's not who we are. But we do believe in the, in the goodness of God taking care of us. Yeah, if you got your Bibles, y'all go ahead and go to Isaiah 65. I do got some things to say. We're going to do communion after this for those who make it. I, I, I say it sometimes. If you have to leave, that's okay. I'm going to talk till I'm done and, and with what the Lord has given me to say. I have been teaching, Brother DJ has graciously allowed me to have the Tuesday nights for, for, for a period, and uh, I've been teaching on the life of Abraham as God has really spoke to me a lot out of the last four or five months, and, and it's just really been an amazing life-changing thing for me, and God keeps speaking, and, and I'm coming to a climax on that teaching, I think, and I was going to wait till this Tuesday to share what I'm about to share, but I decided I'd just do it today. Uh, I would encourage all of y'all to go back either on Facebook through Destiny, the YouTube channel, or you can go to the Company of Believers uh, podcast, which is us, me and Rachel. And I have all of those teachings on my podcast. It's on all the platforms. I would encourage you to go and listen to them, because not because it's me, but because I really believe it's the Lord speaking and trying to re-identify us in our, our, our real purpose and our real identity of who we are. And, I, and I've been gleaning that from the life of Abraham. And I'm going to continue that. I have shared this message that I'm fishing to, to speak. This is actually what started me on this, 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 this dive into the life of Abraham. I've shared it a couple other families, places that I walk in close relationship with. And there's a few of you that might have heard it, but some of you haven't. And for some of you, it's going to be difficult to, to hear just because it's not what you're used to. 
but I'm going to do it anyway because I believe the, the Lord wants us to begin to be re-identified in a way that allows us to be who we're supposed to be. Because He made us with purpose. And He made us for His glory. And He made us in His image. And He made us for an, a relationship with Him. I'll tell you right now, I, I know what my job is on this planet, and that's to worship God. And that is to preach the gospel of the living Jesus. I'm not a political pundit. I don't have another agenda. I've learned how to do quite a few things in my 40-something years of living. But I only have one thing I really want to be good at, and that's the job God gave me to do. And that is to worship him and to preach the gospel. Okay. Sidetrack, what's happening? Isaiah 65. I was reading this a few months ago, and, and God really spoke to me. And it says this, and this is in the Passion. It says in verse 16, Isaiah 65, 16. It says that, For whoever pronounces a blessing on the earth will do so in the name of the God of faithfulness. And whoever swears by an oath on the earth will invoke the name of the God of faithfulness. The failures of the past will be forgotten and they will be hidden from my eyes. Come on. Whoever pronounces a blessing on the earth will do so in the name of the God of faithfulness and whoever swears by an oath on the earth will invoke the name of the God of faithfulness. I, I was reading that a few months back and I don't know why, but sometimes the Bible just, you know, I've read all of this stuff for 20-something years continuously over and over and over again. And, and it's amazing how much the Spirit of the Lord delights in showing you. And, and the Bible says the Holy Ghost, He is the teacher. And He is amazing at His job when He's allowed to teach. And so I'll just read my Bible over and over again, and I can have read this verse and chapter, I, who knows how many times in 20-something years of just diligently trying to eat the Word of the Lord. But I read it this time, and that word swore, swears, it just jumped off the page at me. And it was just like it was magnified. And so I, I recognized that God's trying to teach me something. And so I looked it up in my concordance. And, and, and it, it just it blew me away. Because when it says swears right there, in Hebrew, that word is Shaba. Shaba. Sounds cool, doesn't it? Shaba. And that word in its primitive root form, Shaba, means to be complete. It also it means to seven oneself. That is to swear as if by repeating a declaration seven times. In practice, Shaba would look like this. A common practice was to make seven declarations when making an oath. The declaration can be making the oath seven times or doing seven things to show the sincerity of the oath. Shaba means to be complete. And so what, what Isaiah is saying here and what the Lord is saying through his mouth that when you swear, you're sevening yourself. The word that is coming out of your mouth because you speak for the God of faithfulness because you're his son and daughter. That word is such a, a powerful thing that when it comes out of your mouth that you're going to do something or you won't do something, it's already completed even though you haven't fulfilled the action yet. 
That the power of the Word coming out of your mouth as a son and daughter of God, it should be completed even when it's not even finished being done yet because it came out of your mouth. Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. He didn't even require you to do it seven times or say it over seven times so you couldn't later say, I was just kidding, I didn't mean it. That's why they did it seven times. So it was a definite thing. You couldn't come back and say, oh, I was just joking. No, you said it seven times, or you did it seven times to say, this is my word. As sons and daughters of God, when we say we're going to do something, that word to the hearer should be just a finished, finished thing as it comes into their ears. That, that, that's already happened. He just hadn't finished it yet. But the word is complete because he spoke it. And his yes is yes and his no is no. You, do you feel the seriousness of what we just read? Of what your words are supposed to mean when they come into your mouth as a son and daughter of God? That there should be nobody who can come back and question if that really is going to happen. Was he being serious or was he just talking? Shabbat. There's coming a day, and we are living in that day now, and I want that day to be right now in my personal life that when I say I am going to do something, that there's not a person in here that even would think to question it because I have sevened myself to the words that come out of my mouth, not because I'm awesome, but because I serve the God of faithfulness, and I'm an ambassador of Christ, and that means my life has to represent him as he has represented it to me. And he has never not completed his word in my life. Come on. Tell that guy back there, be quiet. And one person preaching today. <laughs> I think they're paying me back for doing that to you, Sarah. <laughs> I was sharing my Facebook thing, and they were up here, and I could hear Sarah talking a couple seconds after she was talking. Shaba. And so, I'm going to talk to you a little bit today about covenant, or a lot. Um, I, I read this several months back, and I had some Bible school students who were passing through, and they were staying at my home, and, and I was really excited because this was a new thing to me that I, other people have seen it, but it was new. I'd never seen it after all these years, and so it was like a fresh revelation to me of just the seriousness of what my words should mean to the people that hear them on, the, on this planet. And, uh, and so I was sharing it with these Bible school students. And one of these kids, you know, he's in his 20s, you know, growing up in church. He's like, yeah, I knew that. And I'm like, oh, I thought I just found this. And, uh, and he's like, yeah, I think Abraham did that somewhere. And I'm like, that is so cool. So later that night when everybody went to bed, I, I went and looked it up and I found it. So we're, we're going we're gonna to look at this. And in Genesis, we're going to go to Genesis 21. This family is, is exactly what we're going to be. We're going to be a family. This is not a church in, in the sense of what most of us has always known church to be. We have made decisions that we're going to do our best to be family because God calls us sons and daughters and we're supposed to look at each other as brothers and sisters when we believe. And that brings us into a different kind of relationship. 
than somebody you just sit by for a few hours. And that might make our family be smaller than other churches, but we will be deeper. Our hearts will be intertwined. We will walk in unity and we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And we will know what it's like to walk in a relationship of intimacy that you only find in real family. And whatever that number is, I'm good with it. Brother DJ's good with it. Everybody who's in elders and in, in leadership in this church, they've made the decisions. And man, it has brought such a deeper encounter with the Lord for almost everybody who has surrendered their life to that. You, you hear people like Miss Pam and talking just, you know, been in church her whole life and just how God is just becoming new and fresh to her. And all of a sudden there's just a whole different feeling to what she's always known. Didn't mean she wasn't born again, didn't love God. But man, Jesus wants us to understand what it is we truly have been given by his blood. Man, I don't want to just know Jesus a little bit. I want to know all of him. I don't want any limits, as my kids say, no caps. All the old people don't know what that means. <laughs> Doc told my mama, you'll be saying no caps by the end of the year now. <laughs> he told me that. No caps. No caps. No limits. In Genesis, in chapter 21, verse 22, there's an amazing thing that happens. I'm going to read it. It says in verse 22, At that time, King Abimelech and Philcol, his army commander, came to Abraham and said, it is obvious that God is with you and blesses everything you do. Y'all hear that? It is obvious that God is with you and blesses everything you do. Now swear to me here before God that you will not deceive me. My children or my descendants... But as I have shown you loyal friendship, so you will treat me. And the land in which you live as a foreigner with loyal friendship. It's an amazing thing that's happening. Abimelech is a pagan king. Pagan. Worships everything except the living true God. Pagan. He has had the opportunity to observe the life of Abram, Abraham for, for a period of time as Abram, Abraham had come and lived in his, his kingdom. Abram, Abraham had not been perfect, but Abraham had lived a life to such a degree before the eyes of Abimelech that Abimelech being a king being a judge and ruler over his people, it was easy for Abimelech to separate truth from lie, real from deception, because it was his job as he reigned and ruled with all authority. And this, this king, this, this king, this judge, had judged Abraham's life after watching it. And you know what his conclusion was? God's with you. The God I'm not going to serve, the God that I didn't even want to acknowledge it existed, the God who doesn't reign and rule in my life, I am decided that he's with you. And he blesses everything you do. 
What, what, what will the people say about our life? What are your, your co-laborers at work and at school? Not in church. But what do your neighbors say about you after they've observed your life for any amount of time? Oh, because they, they're looking. They're looking. And you see this king is so moved by the life that Abraham lives because of the favor of God on Abraham's life and the, and the, and the, and the truth of it and the sincerity of it that this king, the most powerful man in the land, he comes and seeks Abraham out and he says, I want you to make a covenant with me because that's what he's doing. I want you not just to be my friend, not just to live in my kingdom, I know that God's with you in such a degree that he blesses everything you touch. So I want you to touch me in a deeper way with a real relationship that's much deeper than what we've known before. Because God's going to bless me just because I'm walking in a deeper relationship with you. Man, this king was smart. Even as he did not serve God, he was very intelligent. And he had a very amazing gift of discernment to understand the spiritual dynamics that was at work in Abraham's life. Much more than almost everybody else in the church of God today. We do not understand what has been given to us and we don't understand what God's trying to offer to us on top of that. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be harsh. I just want, you, I want us to really be honest and look at this and understand this is what God is trying to change in all of us. When I say covenant, probably everybody in here who, who understands that word at all, they associate it with one thing initially. What is that? Marriage. If you don't know God and you hear covenant, it's the covenant of marriage. It's usually in most people's wedding vows in some way or some form, right? And it's the, the coming together in a way that's not just a business contract or a casual relationship. When you come into a covenant relationship and using marriage as an example, what does that mean? We're actually becoming one and we're no different now. We're one person. Our lives are so merged that there is no more separation. We have become one entity. And so... We live in a generation that does not understand what real covenant is, and that plays itself out in, 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 in marriage. And you can look in the church and outside of the church at almost any study done by any group that divorce rate in the church, outside the church, is almost the same, about 50%. And that's not a condemnation on anybody in here. It's just a lack of understanding that we possess as a generation of what the seriousness is of covenant. And that's why we don't handle it properly and we don't recognize what God's trying to offer us and so we don't, we don't respond like we should. And God wants that to change. Not because we're bad and we're dumb and, and we're just we're horrible people. No, we've just allowed outside cultural thinking and ways of life to tell us how we're supposed to act when we come on this side of the line of the blood of Jesus. And, you know, we all lived a certain way before Jesus came into our life. I mean, we all did. No matter when you got saved. 
And there should have been a stark difference where the Lord was allowed to begin to reform and renew our minds with the washing of His Word to, to tell us, you thought this way and you lived like this way then, but now that you're here with me, this is how I want you to live and operate. You belong to me now. You're on my side of the line. You're in my kingdom, and this is how we do life. And my way produces peace. That way produces chaos. And Abimelech, he, came, he, he comes and he, and he says this to Abraham. I want you to make a covenant with me. Do you, do you know what is so amazing is that, that Abimelech, the depth at which he understood what he was, ask, what he was asking for. Because look what he says. Just listen one more time. I want you to understand the understanding that Abimelech has. And we need to get this understanding this morning. Okay? We need to understand this. Abimelech and Phicol, his army commander, came to Abraham. He said, it is obvious that God is with you and blesses everything you do. Now swear to me, Shabbat yourself, here before God, the God I don't want to serve. <laughs> but I do want the blessing that comes with the way you serve him on my life. That you will not deceive me, he asked for himself. He understood that the primary purpose of covenant was between the person and the other person who were making the covenant together. That you will not deceive me. But that's not where he stopped. The next thing he says, that you will swear to me that you will not deceive me, my children, or my descendants. He didn't just say, make a covenant with me so I can be blessed. He, understand, he understood the power of covenant was not just for in the moment, that it was transgenerational. And so he didn't say, I don't want you to deceive me, make, make a deeper relationship with me. He says, I want that relationship to transcend my life and pass to the life of my children. That's a big deal. In our generation, and I've said this before because it so invades our way of thinking that every decision we make is what makes me happy and what's good for me and what's going to appease me right now. And that is the length of how we think. We, we can't see past our nose. And that is absolutely the most opposite thing of the mind of Christ that there is. Because everything that Christ has done is for the eternity's purpose. His blood was shed, not so you could live your best life today and we could get brand new cars. Those are byproducts of just walking with Jesus. And sometimes you get a new car, sometimes God lets you get stronger legs to walk. Believe me, I know. And I'm good with either one of those. It's the presence of God that I want. That's my gift. And, and, and right here... He, he comes to him and he says, bless me, let your relationship bless me, but let it also transcend and, and go to my children and their descendants. Man, come on, do you all understand that? Do you understand what you should be asking from the Lord as you walk in a relationship with him that's going deeper and deeper? Bless me, God, yes. But God, give me something that don't stop when I'm dead, that runs the distance through all of the generations that have come through my loins. That should be how you're praying. 
and how you're living your life and what you're trying to obtain from the Lord and in the relationship that you walk out with Him. It can't just be about us right now. That's not real family. Jesus didn't do what He needed to do just for Himself right in the moment He lived 2,000 years ago. It was done looking at eternity. But that ain't where He stopped either. Abimelech kept talking, and, and he goes down. Let me get to it. He says, Now swear to me here before God that you will not deceive me, my children or my descendants, but as I have shown you loyal friendship, you will treat me. And the land in which you live as a foreigner with loyal friendship, Bless me, don't deceive me. Bless my children and all their descendants. But you know what the third thing that Abimelech understood the power of covenant carried to bless was the land. Bless me, bless my children, bless my land, Abraham. See, most of us can do okay with the first one for sure. Most of us are okay, kind of as weird as it might seem to our carnal minds, the ability of covenant to bless our children every generation until God comes. But almost very, there's very few of us that actually believe that our covenant relationship that we have with the Lord when we walk into that has the authority and the power to bless the land that we stand on. And if we do, we only have the dynamic or in our mind the dynamic of it, us between God. But what we need to see here is that Abimelech cut God out of this equation. I don't know, but I imagine that for the period of time that Abimelech and Abraham had interacted and, and been around each other, that Abraham had testified to him about how he came to be in his kingdom, how God had brought him there, who God was, and how he had seen him and heard his voice through all the different encounters. And I don't know, but that's how my mind thinks. Somehow or another, there was some interaction that this pagan king come to know, came to know who Yahweh was to Abraham. And he was so in uh, uh, amazement of the life that Abraham lived that he began to believe, this dude cannot be lying. Yahweh has got to be real. And then he comes to him. But he also probably had heard how God had made him get up and leave his home and walk for a thousand kilometers and leave everything he ever knew. And, and Abimelech, having a lot of stuff, probably thought, I, I don't really want him to tell me that. So I'm not going to go to him directly, but I'm going to come to you, Abraham. And so he cut God out of it because he knew that God's covenant probably was going to require way more than he was willing to pay. And that's where most people are. They know that God is real. They're convinced that God is real. But they never come to God in a way that allows the Lord to bring them into a real covenant deep relationship. And they don't because they're afraid of what he's going to ask them or tell them to do. And so what they do is they stay on the outer edge of relationship. I'm not saying they're not born again. Look, I, I wrote it down right here in, in John. In, in chapter 2 and verse 23. In the Passion again. This is Jesus. It says, while Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, the number of followers began to grow. When Jesus shows up, that usually happens. And many gave their allegiance to him because of all the miraculous signs they had seen him doing. 
But Jesus did not entrust himself to them because he knew how fickle human hearts can be. That <laughs> fickle. <laughs> how fickle. And what that means is wavering in your loyalties and your commitments. One day is yes, Mars no. Depending on how you feel when you hit the floor. Jesus is dealing with these people at their level of commitment. He's not hating them. He's not casting them away. They have given their allegiance to Jesus like many of us in here have done and many people in every other church this Sunday morning and other places all over the world have done. They, they're here because we have, we have given our allegiance to the Lamb. Like we sang this when we pledge our allegiance. Right? But I'm not talking to you about salvation. I'm talking to you about what comes after that and the degree of relationship that our Father really desires to have with each one of us. And these people were convinced that Jesus was real and they knew what he was doing was of God and they wanted to be with him and they pledged their allegiance to him publicly. But Jesus just could not completely release all of who he was to them because they were so stinking fickle. They just were not decided yet really in their heart how deep and how consistent they were going to be in their life with him. And he knew that. And so he had to reserve the greatest measure of himself that he desired to give them. He had to reserve that until they were tired of being fickle and got to a place where they were ready to, to surrender all they were to him so he could give all he was to them. We have to quit being fickle. It's amazing because we think being fickle is our right. We can decide how deep we want to go and how often we want to be there. And, you know, we can sometimes and not all the time. And we, we live fickle lives. And, and, and you, you can go be with Jesus one day, I believe. But, man, you're missing out on the greater blessing that he has for you in knowing him and intimacy. I married my wife not because I wanted to eat dinner with her every night. And that's how most of us live in the church. I don't know. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> but that's probably the best example I think I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Do you not see the truth of that, though? I, I don't want to have casual conversation with Jesus. I don't want a casual relationship. Man, I want to know him at a way that makes him the realest thing and the realest person I've ever known in my life. I want it to be so much greater than any other relationship I have ever known that it makes me think that none of y'all are even real, that you're just ghosts sitting in here. And you know what I have come to find out? He desires that more than I do. And the only hindrance to me having the depth of that type of intimate relationship with him is my fickle heart. God almighty help us. <laughs> I don't want to be fickle. My sons and daughters don't need me to be fickle. My wife doesn't need me to be a fickle man. 
You do not need me to be fickle. My neighbors don't need me to be fickle. They need me to walk in a degree of relationship with God that even if they don't want to serve God themselves, they know they can come to me and come into a relationship with me that it will bless their life in a way they have no capacity to do because of who I am with Jesus. And any other thing is wrong. Telling yourself that you don't have to be that person is wrong. Come on, let's not be fickle. Now, not my job to be fickle. It is not. I love you, Jesus. I love y'all. God is so awesome coming into this and seeking God with y'all and just seeing what God's doing in so many different people. And you know how awesome this is to me? And all it does, it makes me want to keep pressing in. It makes me refuse to back up because I see this changing lives. I see what we have decided to go after and to make Jesus the, the, the sole reason why we're here and exist. I see it working. I've been watching it work for 20-something years. But I've actually got people around me here in this environment that are making the same decision. And now we're doing it together. And it's, it's transforming lives. People are rising up in hope that they never had before and they've sat in church forever. Man, come on. You know, and Abraham, he, he gets right here and, and for some reason I didn't put it here, but I'm going to read it to you. Same Genesis 21. do do, -do. Y'all just be patient, please. All right, let me see where am I at, where am I at, where am I at? Because I want to I read to you Abram's response to King Abimelech coming. Ooh, I forgot to put that one in my notes, sorry y'all. Genesis 21. Genesis 21, okay. So Abimelech comes to him. He says all these things to him. All right. And in verse 24, after he hears all the requests of Abimelech the king, Abraham says one simple profound thing. He says, I give you my oath. I seven myself to you, Abimelech. Now that right there goes against all understanding for me and all of everybody else in here of Bible sometimes because we're not supposed to be unequally yoked, right? And you don't get no deeper of a yoke outside of a marriage covenant than what he's doing right here with Abimelech. He is a pagan king who does not want to serve God. He comes to the man of God and says, give me a covenant relationship with you so your covenant blessings that you have flow down to me. And Abraham doesn't even blink. God, I don't understand that. I would not do that, probably. You know, I, I, if I had somebody in that, you know, we've been taught that's not what you do. And then more times than not, I'm, I'm still believing that. But right here, Abraham, he's not looking at Paul's writings. He is following the whispers of the living God. And this king comes to him and asks for his covenant relationship. And Abraham says, okay, I give you my oath. 
Now think about that. Bless me, bless my children, and bless my lamb with a loyal friendship. Now I can bless you, and I can bless your kids if they're sitting right there. Here's a little money, here's a car, here's it. I have the ability to bless you in some capacity. But how do I bless your land? See, we're stepping over into the realm of, of, of supernatural blessing. You understand that? This pagan king asked Abraham to bless his land. Do you understand that when you walk in a covenant relationship with Yahweh, with Father, not born again, but I'm talking about a real covenant relationship, there is a blessing that God pours down on you that you now have the ability to turn and be in a relationship with somebody in the same way and give the same blessings to them. Abraham was not God. He was a man who made a lot of mistakes as we've been learning. And when he heard what this king asked, he didn't even hesitate. I can bless your land. How many in here today think you have the ability to stand up and bless the land that you're living in? To, I mean, bless it with the same blessing that God gave to you. See, we trip up on this. But do you know why? Most of us are not walking in the depths of covenant relationship that we're supposed to. And we haven't understood this is really some things God is offering to us, not as weird, weird stuff, but just the power of the relationship that we have. I mean, if you can get your mind about somebody dying on a tree 2,000 years ago and pouring blood out and wiping all your sin off that you can't see, if you can get your mind around that, why can't you believe this? Because that one's way crazier. That's way far out there. It don't make no sense. Outside of the Spirit of God is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Because the things of the Spirit can only be understood by the Spirit. Carl mind can't grasp none of this. See, all, all people got their feelings hurt when I said that. But it ain't like none of us knew this. We had to make a decision to believe. Let's keep making a decision to believe. Let's not stop right there. Let's just go on all the way to crazy town. Come on. Until ain't nobody can be around us unless they want the blessings of God that's fallen on us because we've gone all that way to get around them. Abraham, he, he, he said yes. You know, I just love it because in chapter 15, Abraham in Genesis, he gives... He comes to a covenant relationship with the Lord, and we've been talking about that. You know, he had been walking with Abraham. Abraham had been following Yahweh for over 10 years. Okay, he had left everything, walked over a 1,000 kilometers. I said it a miles a bunch of times in that thing. It's kilometers, Brother Jim. Uh, it was a long way. Either one of those a long time. <laughs> but he had been following God for 10 years, Abraham had. He had built altars, worshipped the Lord. God had prospered and blessed him in his life. And, and after 10 years, that's when Father came to him and actually says, I'm, now I'm going to make a covenant with you. See, this is not about leaving everything and following God and being born again. This is about a different depth of relationship that is offered to every one of us sitting in here, sons and daughters of God. And we don't get there immediately. Abraham is the father of faith. And it was 10 years before the Lord showed up and said, hey, I'd like to make a covenant with you tonight. 10 years. 
There was a degree of maturity and there was a working of the Spirit of the Lord in Abraham's life that was weeding out the fickleness one right after another and just helping him to grow and, and showing him where he was selfish and showing him where he walked in doubt and unbelief. And the Lord, you understand how willing, willing that God is to, to walk and work us through this? He's not after instant gratification. We become new in the moment. But he so wants us to represent him properly in this world that he will walk with us as long as it needs to. As long as it needs to be. His patience and long-suffering. And he came to Abraham after 10 years and made a covenant with him. And Abraham made a covenant with him. And all that was awesome. And the first thing Abraham did was get up and go and do something wrong. And then 13 years later, here comes the Lord again. And he comes and he, he says, I want to remind you of my covenant. I want to renew my covenant with you. You tried to do it your way. It hadn't worked out. So you have matured and grown. But I still love you and want a deeper relationship with you. Let's renew that covenant, Abraham. So you're 23 years in. And God's still working with Abraham and forming him into the image of his son that had not even been born yet. Golly, come on. We got to be patient with each other. As the Lord has been patient and is being patient with each one of us. All right. Y'all don't get tired yet. So that happened. So Abraham, you know, he, he didn't say them words lightly. He didn't say, sure, I'll give you my oath. No, he had been walking a covenant relationship with the Lord for the last 14, 15, 16 years. He had been walking for a while in the depth of a covenant relationship with his father. And so when he was asked to give a covenant relationship to Abimelech, by Abimelech, he understood the significance of what he was committing himself to. He wasn't just flippantly saying, sure, you're a king, sure, why not? No, he understood exactly what Abimelech was asking, and he understood his ability to complete and give it. That he had an authority in himself through his covenant with God to actually complete the words. Man, we have got to understand that the answer to our generation is not going to be your president. It's going to be Jesus being manifested through the sons and daughters of God. All the creation is groaning, not for the next president. Groaning for the sons and daughters of God to stand up and manifest who he is. And when we start actually believing that and start understanding what it means to come into a covenant relationship with our father, then we actually have the ability to do a few things to change the world we're living in. All right, he says right here. Jesus, I love you. Isaiah 49. In Isaiah 49, there's some amazing words, some amazing truth. In Isaiah 49, verse 8, listen to what it says, y'all. It says that, I'm reading in the Passion, it says, Yahweh says, when the time of showing you favor has come, 
See, I believe there's a time for showing his favor. I believe that. When the time of showing you favor has come, I will answer your heart's cry. I will help you in the day of salvation, for I have fixed my eyes on you. I have made you a covenant person, a covenant people, to restore the land, resettle families on forgotten inheritances, and you will declare to the prisoners you're free and those in darkness step out into light. Hear what God said through the mouth of, of Isaiah. I have made you a covenant people. Do you know what God wants to do to every one of us in here? He wants to make us into covenant people. Because covenant people are in blessing and in, under authority and they have authority to turn around and affect the world they're living in. He says, I have made you. Man, we have to be, we are being forged through fire. And we cannot, we cannot be allowed, we can't allow ourselves to continuously to be fickle. And every time we feel the flame, we pull back because it's just going to cost too much. We need to surrender to it. He is trying to make us into a covenant person, a person that he can actually come into a real deep honest, sincere relationship with. That's what he desires. That our relationship, one with him, is not, it's not surface. It's not shallow. That it's heart to heart intertwined. Where we actually have the right to mind out the deepest secrets of who he is. Because he yields himself to us because we've, we've quit being fickle in our level of commitment to him. And see, that's what God's trying to do to us. I had a dream a couple of nights ago, a couple of weeks ago. I shared it with a few people. But in this dream, I, I, I was running an obstacle course. And I had a whole lot of people behind me. And, I mean, it was an obstacle course like you would see at some, you know, race or something. And we're running, and it wasn't, like, completely exhausted. I wasn't exhausted. It wasn't like I was dying running it. But it was an obstacle course. It was kind of leisurely casual. And I was talking to some people who were behind me in the line, and we were single-file line. I get to this big tube, like you crawl through. And I get down, I go through face first. And I'm crawling through this tube, and everything's going great. And we're talking and just carrying on, having a good time. But it's still an obstacle course. And I get to this right-hand turn, and when, and when I make the right-hand turn crawling through this tube, there is an electrical box installed in the top of the tube, like the functional parts outside, Brother Anthony, and the, the box of the electric is hanging down in the tube. And it's hanging down to the degree that as soon as I turn, this box is in the thing, and there's no, it, it impedes my path. I cannot go anywhere. Physically impossible to go forward. And in, in my dream, I look back and I can see the whole line of people behind me stopping. And as they stopped, I could see the further down the line the people were behind me in the single file line, the further down the line, the more anxiety began to come in their heart as claustrophobia began to attack them and all this. And, and I turn back in my dream and I'm looking at this box. I mean, I couldn't get my head by. And I, and I knew it wasn't supposed to be there in the dream. And I just spoke to outside the tube and I said, hey, there's a box here that ain't supposed to be here. And all of a sudden, the tube opens up like you would open up a grill, like the lid of a grill. It's just weird, you know. And he opens up this tube, and there's a maintenance man sitting there, standing there with a tool belt. I mean, just like old maintenance Joe. And he's sitting there, 
And he, he looks at me and he says, what's wrong? I said, there's, a, there's an electrical box here. It ain't supposed to be here. And he looks at the box and he goes, you're right. That box isn't supposed to be here. And he just pulls out a drill and zip, 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 takes out the box. And then, you know what he did? He closed the lid. And we finished our obstacle course. I was sharing that with a friend, my friend Jason Townsend, and he's like, you know what happens when most people get a chance to get out of the obstacle course and quit running the race? They bail. Most people try to get out when the lid's up. But we must run our race if we want to be crowned. You understand? There is a race we have to run. And we can't escape that. But we're continuously trying to. But there are some things that get put in our path that are illegally placed there by the enemy. And they have no right, and they were not authorized, and when they are not authorized to be there, and they're not part of the, the course that the Lord has set for us, we have a right to speak to that. We have a righteous judge, the Bible says in Luke, when he deals with the woman, the widow woman, who comes before the unrighteous judge, give me justice from my adversary. If we're in legal relationship with the Lord and we're walking in obedience to the laws of his kingdom, that gives me right to present my cases before the Lord. And when the adversary has come in illegally, I can ask for a righteous decree. But that means I've got to be submitted to the kingdom of, of the Lord and I have to live by his rules. Lawbreakers don't get those. If you've ever been convicted, you know you, you lose certain rights. You can't have them expunged when you have a life that exemplifies that. And so Abraham, you know, he, he does all of that, and he, he has submitted, and he has stumbled, and he's gotten back up, and he's walked into this relationship. Now he has no hesitation to say, I have the ability to bless the land because I'm in covenant relationship with the Lord. I need us as a family to be able to understand who we've been called to be. We have been called to be ambassadors of Christ. And if we walk in the degree of relationship that, that he is inviting us to, and we yield to the, the, the course he's laid out before us, and we allow him to make us into covenant people, then when people come to us, or when God sends us somewhere, we have the ability to bless the land just because we're standing in it. We have the ability to look at a land that doesn't produce and say, land, create and produce just like God intended for you. Give your crops. Produce oil. Cause industry to raise up. Cause water to be healthy. God, make this land be fruitful. See, I believe I have that ability in my life. And it's not because I'm special, but I do know I walk in a covenant relationship with Jesus. And I, I don't know when I got there. I wish I could tell you an exact day or when I, when I wrote that. I don't know. Because I, I got too many mistakes to think back on, think about when that would have been a defining line. But somehow or another, staying the course has allowed the Lord the right, or however you want to say that, that makes sense in your mind. He, 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 he says, okay, you're serious. You're not going to be here for just a second and be gone. You've decided you, you might mess up, but you ain't moving. Come on. It ain't about being perfect. It's about being decided. I'm decided. 
I'm, my marriage, I'm decided. One of us might die, but ain't nobody leaving. <laughs> and that's not, we, we, we get along amazingly because we're both decided. So we just figure out how to fix it. And Jesus wants us to be like that with him. All right, now I'm going to give you a couple things real quick because I still haven't even got to where I want to go. It says right here in my notes. I want to I read a few things to you what a covenant brings. When a covenant brings blessing, what a covenant brings in the form of blessing. Number one, it says, I wrote down, a covenant brings blessing. It gives you your heart's desire. When you walk into a real relationship with the Lord in a, in a covenant relation, he gives you your heart's desires. And I, I believe that also refers to the way you, you finally yield your heart to him for him to mold your heart so you're desiring the right thing. So I, I don't believe that it's just name it, claim it thing like that. I believe that your heart actually becomes so intertwined with him that your heart actually is beginning to desire what he desires for you. I believe this. And so when Abraham made his covenant with the Lord in Genesis 17, God comes to, comes to him and says, I'm going to make my covenant with you. And one of the things he tells him after he says those words to him, he tells him, I am going to give you a son. Sarah will give you a son. And there, that was the greatest desire of Abraham's life in that moment of his life. He had riches, he had finances, he had, a, he had relationship, he had everything, but he didn't have a son. His heart desire was to have a son with Sarah, and the Lord gave it to him. When you walk into a covenant relationship, the Lord will begin to give you your heart's desire. Number two, he brings you into the intimate plans and secrets that he has. Because you're now entered into a different degree of relationship and trust. You want to know where you're at in a covenant relationship with the Lord or with people around you? Because this isn't just about the Lord that I'm talking about. That has to be primary. But out of that, we should begin to form covenant relationships one with another. That's the whole purpose. And he brings you into the intimate plans and secrets. And, and I've, I've talked about this before, but when the Lord came down to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because of their, their sin and their wickedness, he actually, he, he actually had to stop and say in 1916, afterward, it, Yahweh said, should I really hide from Abraham what I intend to do? Like the Lord feels an obligation to tell you what his secret plans are. That he, he feels obligated because of the degree of relationship that he walks with you in to include you in what he's doing in the area that you live in. I believe that anywhere I go, if I'm walking in a covenant relationship with the Lord, that the Lord feels obligated to include me in his plans for that place. And as much as I'm willing to release my ears to hear and submit myself to whatever he wants to say, he includes me. And he includes me so I can also impact change on what he wants to do. Because he included Abraham for one reason, because he was a friend. But he also knew this man has my heart. And his heart's desire is to see his family know me. And so he's going to intercede that I won't destroy this city because his family lives in that city. And he told Lot, or he told Abraham that, and that Abraham interceded. And Lot actually was saved because of Abraham, who would have been dead if it wasn't for Abraham. He would have been burnt up. 
It says right here in, in the... All right. In verse 3. Gives you the ability to affect the blessed land. Now, verse four, uh, number 4. Covenant brings transgenerational blessing. We've already talked about that. Now the thing I really want to talk about. We are on Genesis 21. We're reading verse 25. Abraham makes his covenant, he gives his oath to Abimelech. And he says right here, but Abraham voiced a complaint about a well of water which Abimelech's servants had seized by force. Abimelech come to him, asked for this, this covenant, told him what he wanted. Abraham said, I'll give it to you. And I want you to hear the first thing out of Abraham's mouth after he says he'll make an oath with him. This is, this is amazing. Abraham voiced a complaint about a well of water which Abimelech's servants had seized by force. Abimelech responded, this is the first time I've heard about this. You've never told me before now. I don't know who has done this. I, I, I want y'all to understand this and hear this. This blew my mind when I saw this. Abraham's been living in this man's kingdom for I don't know how long, for a while. Abimelech's affected by Abraham's life, wants Abraham's blessing, asks for this relationship, and Abraham says, I'll give it to you. And now that they have formed this covenant relationship and they've gone into a real degree of honesty and sincerity and intimacy that they did not possess before as friends on a more surface level, the first thing out of Abraham's mouth is, you stole my well and I want my well back. Think about that. You stole my well, I want my well back. Now that we're real friends... And we're intimate and we're, we're, we've got a generational covenant going on. And I'm blessing you and your kids and your land and you're going to do the same to me. And we're, we're real and we forged something that isn't going to end when I walk away. Then I'm going to share my heart with you and how you have offended me. I want my well back. You know what amazed me when I read that? I sat there and I thought, I wonder how long Abraham had to hold that offense in his heart before he had enough confidence in the relationship to be honest. Do you know how many people I cannot be honest with when I want to help them in their life and they're, they're, they're offending me or they're offending the Lord with their lifestyle and there's certain things that I just can't even approach them about because our relationship is so fragile because they have no real commitment to it. If I touch it, it breaks. And I have to shut my mouth and just carry it. Do you know how many people God is like that with? That they're so fickle in their heart that they can't even be corrected too deeply by the Holy Ghost because they just won't handle it. They'll bail. Or they'll, they'll turn and rend the person who's throwing the pearls of life to them. You want to know where you're at in a relationship with somebody? Judge how, how, how much they have the right to speak to you when you've offended them. What level of of, of, of surrender do you have to these people for them to speak into your life and tell you how they really feel? 
See, when I trust somebody and I feel like I've entered into a covenant relationship with them, I feel a responsibility to be honest. But there's other people I don't have that kind of relationship, and I just can't. And I hope that maybe down the road it'll grow there. So I have learned through the years to be mature and to be patient and just be okay with being offended for a second. Because honestly, I'm very hard to offend. And even when it is an offense, it's usually not deep. It's just, that ain't right. And if it's like that with me, you're just hurting yourself because you're doing it with everybody. I I walk free from offense. It's really hard to offend me beyond just an immediate fleshly reaction. Because I love peace. When I didn't have peace and I wasn't born again, I lived in absolute chaos and turmoil and I didn't know what rest was and I didn't know what sleep was and I didn't know what it was to just be at rest. And one of the first things that happened to me when when Jesus saved me is that that went away. And and most of y'all don't know this, but I was a copier salesman after I got born again. I asked dad if I could come home. He let me come home and I got a real job and I'm going around and I'm selling these copiers and we had church contracts. And so I could go into churches and offer them a discount and I didn't really care about selling to them, but I I just want to talk about Jesus because he was just wrecking my life. And I'm talking, I'm just a few weeks saved, like two or three weeks. And I walked into a church over on old Selma Highway and it was Kyle Searcy's church. And I walk in, you know, and he had a little church, and it wasn't like it is now. And, and uh, you know, and he was a young guy. I was young. I walk in, hey, I sell copiers, and I just start telling him, man, I just got saved a few weeks ago. And we, he sat down with me for like three hours, the copy guy, the, sell, the, the, the copy salesman. And we talked about Jesus. And it was amazing because everything was, I would never read anything in the Bible. Everything was just brand new. And he just sat there and loved on me and gave me Jesus. And at the end of it, he said, man, I do a Bible study on Tuesday or Wednesday night. You should come over. And I said, all right. So I came over. And nobody knew that I'd been saved for about two weeks, and, and I was free. But when I would lay down to sleep at night, I would be invaded with these horrible dreams. And, 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 and all the peace that I experienced when I was awake, which was real, and it was to the very core of who I was, when I slept, it invaded me. The turmoil and the chaos. And I would wake up every night filled full of just, I mean, rage, like wanting to murder rage. And I was absolutely tormented, but while I slept. Now I'm brand new, and nobody understood these things in my family. We were all just kind of learning who Jesus was. And, and you know, I, I, I didn't, I didn't, I just, I, mean, I always felt that way. At least I'm happy when I'm awake. And I didn't realize I had spiritual authority because I was a son of God now. I didn't understand about binding up powers and casting out. I didn't know any of that. I just knew I couldn't sleep. And I love Jesus. And I walked into his Tuesday night service and he was teaching about taking authority in the spirit realm when you sleep and over all kind of demonic activities in your house. And I hadn't, I'm just reading, you know, the Bible. And I'm sitting and listening to this dude talk about demons and angels flying around. And I'm thinking, man, this is the craziest stuff I have ever heard in my life. What is going on? I thought we was talking about Jesus. And I mean, it was, I just, but then he started, when he started talking about dreams, my ears went poop poop because I was being tormented. And it was weird, but I didn't want to be tormented. And he didn't know nothing about this. 
And he just started teaching about when you go home, you take authority over your house. And if you're being invaded in your sleep and you just begin to plead the blood of Jesus, you begin to ask for the angels of the Lord to be stationed every corner. I mean, just things I've never heard of. It was all weird. But I thought, by God, if this is going to get me to sleep, I'm going to, yeah, I'll drink milk through my nose. I don't care. <laughs> just give me some help. We ain't ever done that, and it ain't ever been that way. Those are two of the biggest enemies to the gospel that there are. You get them words out of your mouth, or you're going to be uncomfortable around here. Because I don't care how it's ever been. I, all I'm interested in what it's going to be. I has not seen and hears not heard, Brother Jim. Do you think Moses had a story to rely on when he came up to the Red Sea? Ain't nobody ever parted the Red Sea up to that point. I'm expecting to see things we can't even, we don't even got a, something to base it off of. I went home that night and I did that. And, 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 you know, and it wasn't through great understanding. It wasn't through knowing the Bible verses. It, I just went home because he said I could do that. And with the little bitty faith I had, I went home and did it. And, you know, from that night on until now, my sleep has been filled full of peace. I mean, I, I get attacked like everybody, you know, with a dream or something. And I'm talking about, but my life is rest. My life is peace. And I said all of that to say that that is one of the greatest gifts, tangible gifts that I personally have received since being, being born again, is peace in my heart. And so when that peace is threatened, boy, I react. Because when I lay my head down at night, I want to sleep. When I sit at my dinner table, I want my heart to be at rest. When I'm in my relationships with the people that God's given me to walk with in that type of, of covenant and intimacy, I want there to be peace there. And Abraham did too. But he was wise and mature enough to understand and to wait for the moment that the relationship matured to the degree that he knew that Abimelech, he could handle it now. And when he thought he could handle it, he asked for it. I want my well back. How, how deep of a covenant relationship are you in your marriage? How honest can you be with your husband and your wife about the offenses that are in your heart? Are you worried that if you tell them how you really feel, they're breaking for the door? And that just shows you the degree of depth that you're walking in. It doesn't make you bad, but it does allow you to understand where you're sitting. You understand that everybody that God brings into your life is not somebody you're supposed to have a covenant relationship with. That's not everybody. There are some people in here I can start pointing out that I have covenant relationship with. There's people in my life that I have covenant relationship with outside of my, my wife. And they're very honest relationships. And we, we're honest with each other with how we feel and the offenses. And... and I have learned to understand not everybody that God brings to me is somebody I'm supposed to be in covenant with at that degree. I'm supposed to love everybody. I want to be everybody's friend. He who wants friends should show himself to be friendly, Proverbs says. So I smile at everybody. I try to love on everybody. And you know what? God, in a minute, he distinguishes the relationships he actually wants me to walk in and cultivate to the degree that we become covenant people. And so we need to understand the importance of that. 
Because when I make a covenant relationship with somebody, I'm now with the understanding that I have through the Word of God and just through my life walking with Jesus. That means I have just sevened myself to you. That means the relationship I have with you can't end because you made me mad. That means the relationship that I committed to, to you with in the same degree that I commit, it's the same way I did it with the Lord. That level of commitment is what's supposed to be there. Not less. Because what you have learned and received from him, that is what you're supposed to turn and give freely. Because you got it freely. And, and the importance of that is so overwhelming because we don't understand the covenant relationship is for generations. How many people went into a covenant relationship in, the, in Jesus, in the family of God, but offenses came in and there was no trust in the depth of the covenant relationship. So instead of coming together and saying, hey, you took my well, I'd like my well back, friend. We just get mad and we get our ball and we go home. And we go find a different church. And we go find somebody who will preach in a way that I like or sings the way I like. And we go find another group of people to call family until they make me mad. And then we go find a different one. And that's what we're surrounded by. But that's not who we're going to be. When we say covenant, it's for life. And that doesn't mean people are going to come in and not be sent out and God's going to move them. And that's not what I'm saying. But the relationship should stay intact. The relationship should be for eternity. And that means you're going to have to work and cultivate it and walk in patience and love and mercy and honesty and sincerity because you're not the only person who's dependent on this relationship to go right. When Abimelech comes to him and he says, I need you to promise me that you won't do me wrong and you'll be good to me and you'll be good to my sons and all their descendants. Abraham, who understood because of the covenant relationship with the Lord, what that significance was in his own life, he understood what it meant with Abimelech. You will go on a few chapters. Abraham's dead. He died. Isaac is still alive. A famine comes in the land. Do you know where Isaac went? He went back to Abimelech. And he said, you remember the covenant that you and my daddy made that was for generations? Well, I ain't got no food in my land. So I expect you to honor the covenant that you made with my father because y'all sevened yourself to each other and to every generation that came after you. Do you hear that? Isaac was the beneficiary of the covenant relationship of his father. And even though Abraham was dead, Isaac so believed in the covenant relationship that when he stood before Abimelech, there was no doubt in his heart that Abimelech was going to honor the covenant that he had made with Abraham and asked for. And he was going to take care of him and he was going to give him a place to live in his kingdom and he was going to make sure that he didn't die standing there in front of him and that every need he had was going to be met because he had a covenant relationship that even passed the life of Abraham. And Isaac was the one who really reaped the benefits of it. Do you realize that when, when the Lord brings you into a covenant relationship and you sever, sever that relationship, you, you lose 
But do you know that there are miracles and blessings and provision for your sons and your daughters that God had predestined before the foundation of the earth to come out of that relationship for your people? And because your unwillingness to walk in true covenant relationship, you cut the line and everything God had purposed for your sons and daughters in their greatest time of need, they lose because of your decision. Oh, Jesus. So that's different, isn't it? I mean, we, we can look at marriage and know how easy it is to see the truth of that. That's not the only place. You know, me and Brother DJ, we, we started this and, uh, and, you know, God has merged us into a covenant relationship and it's really neat. And, and it, it wasn't like we forced it. it, it really just has gone that way. And the honesty and the sincerity that flow between me and him now, it wasn't at that place in the beginning. It was just because of lack of time together and understanding of each other's hearts and, and you know, figuring everything out. But, man, it's just getting deeper and deeper. And do you know what's amazing that, that I've watched him do that when I'm not standing there and my sons are, he acts like it's me. And it's not because of some title that I've been given in this church. It's because of the relationship me and him have forged. And what happens when you walk in a real covenant relationship, your sons and daughters should know who them relationships are, not because you point it out, but because they see the degree of intimacy that you walk in with that person. And something happens in their hearts to know that when daddy's not here, I shouldn't forget the friends of my father or the friends of my mother. That the relationship they had with that person was so real and such a covenant relationship that every one of those blessings pertain to me now. And if you have a covenant relationship with somebody, then your sons and daughters, they should know that if I call this person, that person right there is going to treat me like my mom and daddy are standing there because they loved my mom and daddy and the relationship that they had with them. I don't want my children to not get every one of the blessings of the Lord that he purposed for them with the relationships that he's put in my life because I was unwilling to deal with my offended heart. And I wasn't willing to be uh, through with, with being fickle. And I didn't really want to commit to somebody because I got wounded and hurt the last time I did it. All of those are not, 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 not valid reasons on why we don't walk in covenant relationships with the people God's given us. You got to understand, God has laid up blessings for you, your sons and your daughters through the covenant relationships in the family of God that he's bringing to you. You have to learn to recognize those and then you have to give yourself to those relationships and you have to cultivate them and you have to be honest with each other. I don't care about having a show in here and giving you the best, the best performance up here and the best product. If you want a product, you, there's lots of places you can go and get a product. I don't care about a product. I want to walk in a covenant relationship with this family. And I want our hearts to become one. And I want this thing to run until Jesus comes. And that our sons and daughters know that wherever they go in the world, there are people that they can call that are going to be there for them. And they're going to help them in their need. So that's what real relationship is. And that's what real covenant is. And that's what God's calling us into. This is what Abraham had forged in his heart because God made him into a covenant man. You know what the smartest thing that Abraham did through all of that process was just yielding to it. 
And not allowing his mistakes or his failures or anybody else's to turn him away from walking in the covenant relationship with the Lord. He had lots of mistakes just like you and me. And I've said this, the reason why he's the father of faith is because he kept getting back up every time he fell. It wasn't because of perfection. It was because he was decided, I will have this relationship with the Lord. And I messed up this time, but Father, help me do it better next time. And you know what God responded to? That humility in his heart. God was unable to take his eyes off of him. God blessed him because his heart was tender before him. Not because it was perfect, but because it was tender. God lifted him up and exalted him and blessed him. Not because of his life without mistakes, but because he trembled at the word of God and did his best to do it. And that's who God wants us to be. And we need to understand covenant relationship requires us to be honest with each other. And we need to allow the Lord to come into covenant relationship with us and yield to the process. He wants to make us into covenant people. I do not want to inhabit this planet. I want to change it. And I'm not doing it through the Democratic or Republican Party. It's going to be through the blood and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you are hoping to do it any other way, keep open. Keep open. This country's been here for a while. We act like all these problems everybody's talking about just got here. We act like it just started. No, it's been continuous. And as long as we're looking somewhere else for the answer, instead into the covenant relationship that the Father is offering us, we will continually be dealing with the same jump. But the minute we begin to surrender to the process of being made into covenant people, then all of a sudden there's going to be a generation of believers that stand up and says, I actually have the land and I can bless it because I'm standing on it. You unbelieving person over there, you might not want my God, but you recognize my God and the validity of my relationship with him and you want me to be your friend, I will be. And I'll infect change on you even though you don't want God. You will not be able to deny the relationship that I have with him and I will change you just because of your relationship with me. And I will see the land change that I'm in. That's what Abraham did. Why can't we look at the word of God and actually do what the word of God says? Why can't we set our hearts on being like Abraham? Why do we got to think there's a different way? Kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall. His does not. I will not give away the authority of the gospel to walk in a lesser power. I will preach the gospel and worship my God. I will walk in a covenant relationship with him and I will command the land to be blessed. And that is, the, that is the authority that we have when we walk that way with him. That is for all of us to have. All right. We're supposed to do something else. Miss Ginger. I love y'all and I bless y'all. Father, help us to understand what you really are inviting us to. God, I want to be a covenant person with you. Forge me into that. Let my heart be yielded up to you. God, let us be covenant people one with another. Let there not be offenses that are allowed to stay. When you're a covenant person, offenses can't stay. 
Thank you, Jesus. I love you and I bless you and bless these children, bless these sons and daughters. God, just show us and teach us what your kingdom really is like. Not what grandma said or grandpa said or people down the street or the news. God, I want to know from you what your expectation is of, of me as your son and of this family here in this place. I want you to define us. I want the blessing and the presence of the Lord to be so strong on our lives that the wicked come to us wanting a relationship with us just because they can't deny who you are through us. That is my desire, God. Let there be a hunger and a thirst for that relationship and a yielding to the process of being forged into covenant people so that, God, we can settle people, that they can come, Father, Jesus, I love you. I love you, Jesus. Covenant people, in Isaiah 49, 8, I have made your covenant person, covenant people, to restore the land. Covenant people have a job. That's to restore the land. Covenant people have a job, and that's to resettle families on forgotten inheritances. I have a job. Do you understand you have a job? Your job is to restore the land. Come into the covenant relationship with the Lord. Yield to His love and His mercy and His kindness. Come into the very purpose that He's brought you into this relationship for. You want to see our country change? This is how you do it. We can restore the land. We can resettle families on forgotten inheritances when we become covenant people with the Lord. God, let us be that. Let us take that as our mission on this planet, worshiping you and being covenant with you. I bless you and I thank you. All right, Mr. Ginger. Now we're going to observe the Lord's Supper. So if you do not have the elements, raise your hand and the ushers will get it to you. And if you're joining us online, I ask you to go and get bread, chip, cracker, cookie, whatever you can get quickly and also a cup of something. It can even just be water. Um, when we first started quarantine and my family was at home watching online and Pastor DJ led us in the Lord's Supper that was the first time we'd ever done that as a family at home together. And that just had such an impact on me. So anybody who is watching online, whether it's live right now or if you might be doing this later, don't miss this opportunity to observe the Lord's Supper. It's just such a special time and especially when you do it outside of the church. It's wonderful when we're here and we gather and we do it together. But when you sometimes get out of the different you get into a different space and a different place. God can speak to you and you can hear him in a different way. So don't ever not do this just because you're not at church. Okay, um, I want to read from Luke 22, verse 19 and 20. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So the thing that stands out to me in those verses is the command, Do this in remembrance of me. And I think that that is the most important thing 
for me is remembering what Jesus did for me as I observe the Lord's Supper. And so we call it communion. And what communion means is to share your intimate thoughts and feelings. And it's not just that we're sharing with him, but that we take the time to be quiet and listen and let him also share back to us what he wants us to know. And I feel like that really goes along what Bo was saying about that covenant relationship. It's a relationship. It's not just us one-sided talking to him that we sit and listen and hear back also what he's saying. So I'm going to lead us in prayer, and then we're going to take the elements. God, we just thank you for the new covenant that you gave us, God, that you so love the world, that you sent your son, Jesus, Lord. You loved us enough that you wanted us to be with you for all eternity, and you knew that we could not do it on our own. We could never be good enough. We could never be righteous enough. But you loved us enough to send away that we could be with you forever. And we thank you, God. We praise you. We thank you, Jesus, that you are willing to be the way. We thank you that you're our example of obedience. We thank you that you left the wonder, the majesty, the awesome perfection of heaven to come to this earth to be beaten to be mocked, to be spit on in our place. We thank you, Jesus, that when you walked on this earth, you are our example of obedience, you are our example of how to love others. You were our example of how to forgive others. We remember you, Jesus. We remember what you showed us, what you taught us while you were here. But we also remember what you gave us. You gave us the gift of eternal life. So Jesus, as we take this bread, we remember your body that was beaten. And you took the punishment for us, Jesus. We remember that you were nailed to a cross in our place. Let that remembrance make a difference in our lives, Jesus, as we remember the price you pay for us. Let us be changed. As we take this bread, we remember you, Jesus. Take the bread. Jesus, we thank you for this cup that represents the new covenant in your blood. We thank you, Jesus, that your blood was shed to cover our sins. That when we come to judgment, that we know that judgment passes over us, just as the angel passed over those doorways that had blood on them in the Old Testament. Jesus, your blood is on our life. And judgment passes over us because we are seen righteous because of you. We thank you that you have taken us from sinner to child of God. We thank you, Jesus, that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. All we have to do is believe in our heart that you're God's son who died on the cross for our sins and you rose on the third day and we confess it today. Right now, Jesus, we confess that we believe that. And we are recognized and seen as children of God. And we thank you, Jesus, that 
But we know because you rose on the third day that we have that hope that we will be raised from death to life. We will be in eternity with you and our heavenly father. As we take this cup, Jesus, we want to be changed. We want to live differently because we remember what you did for us. We thank you, Jesus. Take the cup. Jesus, when you left, you gave us your Holy Spirit. We ask now that you would speak to us through your Holy Spirit to reveal anything in our life that is keeping us from being closer to you, keeping us from being more like you. We thank you, Jesus, that through your love and your power in our life, that we can walk in power, we can walk in love and love love others just like you loved us. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that can help us work on those things that you revealed to us today. We ask as we leave here that we will leave here changed from the word that we heard in the communion that we've had with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm, Praise God, praise God. Did somebody receive something this morning? Anybody? I know I did. It was amazing. I thank God that he gives us his words. I thank God that he's with us. Thank you, God. Uh, This is the part in our service where we choose to worship God with our tithes and our offerings. This is for our church family. So if you're new today, uh, listen, don't worry about it unless you want to worship with us. Uh, But our ushers will be at the door. Uh, There's a few different ways you can give. There's a kiosk in the foyer as well. Uh, But I'm going to pray for our offering and our tithes. And then we're going to end service with worship and praise and thankfulness to our God. All right, it's going to be amazing. And I'm going to actually invite our kids, uh, our 252 Unplugged kids, our our Destiny Church family kids to come up here. And then we're going to worship. And if you have to go, you can go. We're just going to worship with one last final song. Um, But first, we're going to pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you, thank you, God, for loving us, God. Thank you for loving us, Father, when we didn't deserve to be loved. Thank you for loving us despite all of our many flaws, God. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. God, we thank you today. And we choose today to be decisive, God. We choose to decide to to not be fickle-hearted, God. We choose to follow you with all of our hearts. And we choose no matter how many times we may stumble to get back up because we're decided, God, that we want to follow you forever. God, we love you. We ask that you bless this offering, these tithes, God. Would you multiply it, God? Would you use it for, for your kingdom, God? Would you use it how you will, Father? We thank you, God. We love you, God. And I bless your people, God, in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. Bring him the kids. Bring the kids. Y'all put your hands together. Come on, one more time. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hey, listen. If you have to go, you guys can go ahead and go. If you, can't, if you have two, three more minutes, go ahead and stand to your feet.
We're going to get ready to clap. We're going to get ready to worship God as we go and start our week. Come on. Come on, kids. Let's worship, y'all. Forgiveness like the tide rolling in. Taking up the space where shame has lived. Receiving all that you died to give. Let the wind blow. Let the tide We're worshiping, y'all, because God performed a miracle today. You know, Mama Lowe's healed in the name of Jesus. I'm, I'm telling y'all. Come on, somebody worship. Somebody praise God for the miracles today. Come on. Shipping her. 